Hey, I'm Janine. And I'm Patrick, and this is Radio 1 Presents. Live from the Lair. This podcast is an extension of Radio 1 Chicago, where we get to explore different topics that expand beyond art and music. Each podcast will have an extended interview with a Chicagoan of note, and will feature one Chicago-based artist. This is Teenage Something by Supersonic Space Rebels. Chicago-based artist and musician. Joe has been a fixture of the Chicago community for going on 20 years, and I wanted to talk with Joe for a couple of reasons. The primary one being that as I approached the tail end of my 30s, my kids were older, the wife is regularly sick of me, and I find myself in a position to once again have a social life. Now, I played in bands and DJed late in my 20s. The world I knew at the time was populated by places like the Double Door, the Big Horse, carrying amplifiers up the steps of the subterranean, which was most definitely above ground, Pissing out giant glass boots of Long Island iced teas into the world's largest urinal at the Mutiny on a Tuesday night, basement shows in Pilsen, all-age VFW hall shows in the Burbs. But going back even further, maybe another 10 years before that, this city and the music scene was one defined by the Fireside Bowl, Blue Meanies, Thick Records, Victory Records, WLUW, The Alley, Off The Alley, and so much more. So I guess my question tonight for Joe, and the reason I wanted to talk to you is because you seem like someone that would know is that in two, uh, 2019, where's the party at? And what the fuck did you guys do to everything while I was gone? 
Jesus Christ, it seems like I stepped out for a pack of smokes 10 years ago, and you guys have tanked the place. So, Joe, welcome to the show. What was the question? <laughs> well, no, I guess I guess getting started, because uh, I want to I take us through the whole history here. When we were talking and setting this show up, you had said that uh, this year was the 20th anniversary of your first show. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, So where was that at, and w- with what outfit? Well, my first... Uh, my first Chicago proper show or my first suburban show or my first surrounding area show? What, well, tw- what is this the 20th anniversary of? Well, I mean, I guess it would probably be uh, it was a Rackham and Stackham show, one of those pay-to-play shows, like a Battle of the Bands kind of situation. Okay. Watermania or something like that? No, it w- I don't remember who, like, who produced it, but it was at the Congress Theater of all places. So that was kind of a trip, playing a big old boomy stage with two of my uh, – Two of my dummy friends, you know, fresh out of the garage and basement onto this big, boomy stage kind of thing. What so, was the name of the band? No Sense of Decency Okay, was my high school band, my early high school band, which I got to say, not the worst band name. NSOD looks cool in, in type, in text. No Sense of Decency, pretty punk. What, uh, do you guys have covers? We didn't do any cover tunes. Wow, that's very impressive for a high school band. Yeah, we were uh, we were just pervy teens, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the structure of the show? I think it was because we had those. I mean, where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in Chicago uh, until I was about uh, thirteen, and then my parents moved us to Plainfield, unincorporated Plainfield, Joliet. Okay. And that's where I uh, I met my uh, my lifelong buddies, you know, guys that I still talk to now and guys i played in bands with up until about a year or two ago but yeah no sense of de- no sense of decency was formed in like yeah at plainfield high school plainfield central when there was only one high school in plainfield now there's four and you were saying that that was a pay-to-play show so what was like the structure of that it was basically some promoter that we probably found through like the illinois entertainer or who knows where and they gave you a handful of paper tickets or you know maybe cardstock tickets to uh to uh, pimp to your friends and family and then someone would uh someone would eventually get paid and uh, we would get um in return some stage time uh, at a place like the congress theater um in broad daylight on you know on a sunday probably or something like that and did you had to buy the tickets up front right? <laughs> yeah i think so i think so i probably still owe them money much like columbia house that kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah we th- i i knew of a lot of those scams like when we were in, th- like i grew, graduated high school in 99 so this would have been like 96 97 98 where you had to get like 20 tickets and they were it was 100 bucks but you got 20 tickets yeah and you could sell them for as much as you want okay but they got their 100 bucks up front so if you didn't sell those tickets then you were just yeah, like you said, it was pay to play. Right, exactly. right. I, I there was always someone else in the band that was kind of spearheading um, that end of it. I was kind of along for the ride at that junction. Um, yeah, the, the biggest hassle was just trying to find a way to bring my drums from you know uh, the burbs to the city at that time. And thankfully, I was always in bands with someone just a little bit older than me who had licenses and uh, a Chevy Suburban at the time. So that was that was handy. And where did you guys graduate from there? Like, when did you start getting ac- actually booked? I would say probably, well, well you, you know, you mentioned the Fireside. That might have been one of the first, well, I guess, well, pre-Fireside, there was an American Legion VFW post in, in Plainfield off of Renwick Road. 
right by our high school and we would put on our own shows. So we would pay the 300 bucks between, you know, four or five bands or whatever it was. We'd have it for the night. And that was, they were really, really accommodating. I don't know if they fully knew what they were getting into because it was pretty rowdy. Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun. That was, that's, we were doing it ourselves. I think after we had one or two pay to play kind of experiences where like right. some seemed a little off and then, one of our one of our friends had the the nerve or the courage to ask, "Hey, can we have the place for the night?" And they said, "Yeah," and they said, "Yeah, a bunch." And that was that was most of most of the places I played in high school was you know were, were VFW halls and, and DIY spaces like that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, and did you guys just kind of play with other? Plainfield bands or did you guys try to get anyone bigger from the city to come in or well we you know at the same time we were we were uh, networking with guys who had an in at the fireside and places like that or um yes so my friend adam um his name's uh, adam gagola he plays in a band called blind adam in the federal league and i always credit him as the guy in the crew that was kind of spearheading um this thing for all the the kind of joliet bands so he was kind of our in to the city, um, so to the point where I think his band might have even played with Wesley Willis at the Fireside Whoa. at the time. Yeah, so I, I'm old enough to remember Wesley Willis, um, young enough to still be optimistic and still have fun doing all this stuff. I guess I but, play that. I I downloaded the album on iTunes and I play that shit for my kid all the time. It's unreal. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, how, how old's your kid? Five? If you don't if you don't mind me asking, how old's your kid? Nine. Yeah, oh my, that's, yeah. Same wavelength, really. I'm like, I'm like, listen to this. It's the demo track on a keyboard. This is all music <laughs> it, has to be. It is the Casio keyboard with a little bit of, uh, a little bit of fun sprinkled on the top. Yeah. <laughs> a little, yeah, a little bit. But yeah. Um, so yeah, we, it was, it was kind of um, constantly balancing the, the VFW hall, the DIY, and always sending messages through AOL or <laughs> whatever the email was at the time. And, um. Hey, would you take a chance on our bands? And uh, one out of every twenty, you know, inquiries, they would say, "Sure, come on up." And then it was a mad dash to uh, find someone that had a car or a running car or someone old enough to get us up here. And uh, yeah, well, always stayed busy doing it. What I always like seem to remember about that time is that it really it seemed to be there was the VFW shows. There was always the outlining like DIY stuff that people were throwing together on their own. Mm-hmm. And then there was the fireside. And if there was much beyond that, with the exception of Off the Alley on the South Side, I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys made it over there in Homewood. We never did play it, but I'm, I'm well familiar with the okay. joint, yeah. But, like, that was it. And the scene seemed pretty healthy. Uh, there was a lot of active bands. There was a lot of stuff being put out on different labels. There was a lot of labels. Yeah, there were, Yeah, there was always someone um, doing it on, on their own. Right. There really and, was. And there was only really one venue. And that's so crazy to think about what – happen and we're fast forwarding a little bit we'll, we'll sure, get sure. to that eventually but what ended up happening where we had more venues more bands and seemingly less cohesion yeah 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 i think that's fair so um all, all i know is that you know going to shows at age 14 15 uh you know doing the uh, obligatory like lying to your parents where are you kind of thing though my parents were pretty cool it always helped to have older friends with cars and that kind of thing Going to shows at the Metro um, or going over to DeKalb to see someone like wow. the Blue Meanies uh, with Less Than Jake or, you know, my first my first proper punk show, quote unquote, was at the Metro, age 14. It was no use for a name, the Mad Caddies. And um, I think shortly after that, it was, you know, a basement show at a church in Oak Park. 
which, you know, it felt so, you know, cool, you know, just it's like dark. You go down these stairs and there's all these people <laughs> that look like you. And, you know, it's nine o'clock at night, man. You know, the sun's down. Let's hang. So I don't know. It, it, it's so it's so strange to think about because it feels like a lifetime ago, but it also feels very current. And thankfully, there are still places in the city that uh, that kind of um, allow you to to express that kind of whimsy and still have fun doing it. Right. Where it's not just a nostalgia trip or something, but it's it's still fun. It's still accommodating, and people are still creating new content. They're not they're not living in the past kind of thing. So right. that's. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at now. My first show uh, was the Fireside Bowl. It was with uh, that lawyer that keeps walking in. And okay. <laughs> yeah. he, uh, I, we probably said we were going to go see a movie, and we had um, his parents' car with some instructions written down on a sheet of paper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had a boom box with an op ivy tape in it because there was no tape player in the car. So right. Player, I think, oh, or anything like that. <laughs> I love and, that. And uh, it was LES Stitches, um, the Broadways. It was the first Broadway show. Oh, killer. And it was like, yeah, it, Slapstick, this is the guy's new band, Brendan Kelly's new band. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I just remember um, someone telling me, like, you know, well, I'm like, what do I wear? And they're like, well, it's a punk show, dude. You do whatever you fucking want. Man. It's a punk <laughs> show. So I said, okay. And I wore like a Beavis and Butthead t-shirt and sweatpants. All right. That's pretty punk. I mean, that, I mean, I mean, that, that, I, I think that's, I mean, in retrospect, it's like, I think that's going to be featured at New York Fashion Week, yeah. like this uh, October or whatever. That was, it is. Uh, and he was like, he picked me up and he's like, you cannot, you cannot wear that. I have some corduroys in the trunk. You can borrow these. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, I've still yet to make sweatpants punk rock, even though nothing says I don't give a fuck like wearing sweatpants. I think sweats. I think sweats have made a return. Maybe Zubu pants. If you were to rock those at a show, you get some. It'd be uh, for I don't know. I but I I I remember I remember spending a lot of time in front of the mirror and um you know trying to figure out what would be the proper the proper thing to wear to your first punk show. Or right. to you know if whether attending or playing, and then you realize when you get there, the people who are, are who look cool, they just it's just a natural cool. Right. And um, yeah, I guess there's probably a part of me that's still chasing that. So but you, you guys coming in from Plainfield, and I know us coming from the South Side, I I might as well be coming in from Plainfield or something. But like, right. I always felt completely outclassed by the Lane Tech like North Side kids. Well, I will say, so having grown up in Chicago proper. Before hitting high school and having friends from the South Side, I grew up by Midway. Oh, okay. Sixty uh, Third and Central. That I used to live right there, Sixty Third and Menard. Oh yeah, that's like I still love that neighborhood. I lived there for a total of twelve years of my life, or no, twenty years of my life between growing up and and post college. Right. Um, so I always felt a little bit outside of my uh, my suburban friends as well. But to your to to your point. There was a disconnect between what I felt were like kind of the the northwest suburb bands, the north side people. I always felt like they just were um, a little bit more in touch with what was going on than the uh, people like south of Roosevelt Road, for lack of a better word. I, I don't know, but I I'd always felt a little bit like behind. I always felt like someone else was just a little bit more in tune with what was cool, what was uh, fashionable, who was who was. You know, I, I always felt those bands drew more people. I just felt that they were kind of the epitome of cool. What were uh, some of the bands that you would make the trek into the city for? Oh man, uh, well, I'm trying to think. So a lot of the bands that I would would trek into the city for weren't necessarily local bands. They were bands that were playing the Metro or the Fireside that I had got turned on to through 
any any number of independent punk labels. Like my first Fireside show wasn't a local show. It was probably ninety nine or two thousand. It was Tiger Army with TSOL. Shattered Angel played that. That that you are you are absolutely right. That's one of my. That's crazy that you would you would mention that. That my next door neighbor is the bass player for them now. They were a cool band. Yeah, they were. They they shredded actually. If I'm if I'm not mistaken. We are going to take a quick break and get into some music. This is Army of Darkness by Supersonic Space Struggles. And we are back with Joe Zawinski. Um, so moving forward chronologically, what was your first uh, 21 and over show? First 21 and over show was probably the Reverend Horton Heat at the Metro. Wow. It was Reverend Horton Heat and the Super Suckers. Oh. And the Super Suckers are still one of they're, they're both two of my favorite bands ever. Yeah. Because those guys are just road dogs. And that's something I absolutely would I would love to uh, aspire to be. And though I've done my, my share of like road gigs and traveling... Those guys, to me, have it have it absolutely made. That's that's something I wanted to get to. That's a perfect segue. Um, so when did you when did you first go on tour too? 
Well, my first like audit. I mean, it's weird how people quantify a tour. I mean, my first, first yeah, my first weekend out was I was probably seventeen or eighteen or something like mm-hmm. that. But the first time I had to like get a passport and like, tell my job I'm not going to be around for like a month was 2010 or 11, I think. And where'd you guys go? We went to Europe. Uh, we played uh, all over uh, Germany, uh, Serbia, and uh, where else? Romania. Yeah, those were the three, I guess, staples. I think maybe, uh, yeah, that was probably it. So that's something that had to have gotten a hell of a lot easier over the past 20 years is going from, you know, just trying to write letters to people or book your own fucking <laughs> life.com. Yo, that, that, I remember that website. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look at what, look at what we have now at our disposal. I mean, yeah, man, that's why I, it's so, it's so uh, bizarre to me that people don't leave more. Right. Cause how easy is it just to reach out to a band and it's incredible. Or, or a venue in Connecticut and be like, Hey, yeah. Hey man, put us up. And cause in, especially living in Chicago, people want to come here too. Right. Hey man, get me a show. You know, a month from now, and then two months from now, come to Liars Club. I know a guy. <laughs> we, uh, I had uh, I was working public relations in my early twenties, and I had gotten myself. Uh, I, I was able to get in a Maxim magazine telling this stupid story about girls fighting over me, which I'm not going to tell right now. <laughs> but one look of the, that up, one people. Of the stipulations was they said, "Well, hey, look, there's a lot of a lot of writers contributing stuff." But no one wants to use a picture, and we need pictures of these guys. Would you be willing to use a picture of yourself? Submit a picture of yourself. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'm like, but you got to mention my band name, so I got to. I want to rewrite it and say my band, the Romeros, yada yada yada. <laughs> and they said, okay. So uh, they included my band name, and as soon as that thing hit the stands, we had every effing band writing us, asking us to get them shows. Can you come stay with us? Yeah. We're going to be in town. We need a place to crash. Yeah, print was super powerful, man. And we were, and I was like, sure, because it was, we were all living above this bar in Blue Island. And <laughs> it was like, yeah, come on, come stay with us. No problem. We never had the foresight to turn around and then ask those people for shows. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's that humble, in. it's that humble South Side existence, yeah, right? Midwestern like, hospitality. Like, oh, yeah, yeah come on over. Come on, no, no, I... we're good. All right, see you later. Yeah, yeah. Unless you ask me. Yeah, sure. No, I, I get that. And yeah, we'll buy a t shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, by two. Uh, yeah. I, I feel that a lot of I, I wasted a lot of time just kind of kind of floating and just, you know, just being happy to be included as opposed to being like, hey, well, what more if, aggressive? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, I you know, which I, I don't think is necessarily a, a negative uh, trait. Um, I, I, too, had some some uh, print. My band in college, we were one of the unsigned bands of the month in Alternative Press magazine. Right. What was the name? Uh, Project Threeville, which is a terrible name. We were we were actually a prog rock band that got like lumped into all these punk bands. It was wild. Wow. Uh, we started as a punk band, and then we got kind of good. So, and then our our singer is uh, he's just one of these um, you know one of these brainiac guys that likes to write things with all these different with math and shit. Yeah, yeah, one of those guys. And I was like, all right, cool. Well, if you're if you're down, I'm down. Just give me a, a week to figure out what you just wrote. But same thing. Um, suddenly, our MySpace inbox, you know, was uh, wasn't just cam girls. <laughs> it was. <banned. laughs> oh, mine always was. I, what I want to know though is like, don't doesn't it feel like Facebook is like light years away from how awesome MySpace was for being in a band? Like, if you yeah. were in a band, like MySpace was awesome. Like, it hosted your music. It was great for networking and had all that shit on there. You really can't do that with Facebook. Now. I thought MySpace was was amazing for bands. In fact, uh, like we were talking off mic, like um, 
the band that I did the most touring and traveling with, uh, the band The Static Age, was a band that was based in Vermont. And the only reason I knew them was like basically through social media. And that's how I was able to contact them at the drop of a hat, you know, the moment I got home to my <laughs> desktop computer, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. There was definitely there's definitely a disconnect between Facebook and MySpace in terms of the uh, the band existence. I would I would absolutely agree with you. My favorite thing to do with MySpace was because um, MySpace came around the same time that like home recording stuff started to be like you could actually it was pre garage band where everybody had garage band on every mm-hmm. Apple. Device. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But there, there was some stuff that you could get relatively cheap and you could do home recording. And we would just come up with like, okay, let's do let's do a uh, hardcore punk band where all the songs are uh, about Lovecraft <laughs> short stories, and we call it Lovecraft, right? Or let's do um, I'm gonna do like a techno side project and come up with it. Yeah, with man. Songs, right? Yeah. Oh, just it's for, so much fun. Just for the MySpace page, and then let's see if I can get this book somewhere. Right. Like, right. Just as a joke. Yeah. You know? And hey, someone get that cjb.net uh, URL while we're at it. You know. <laughs> The GeoCities website or whatever. Oh, no, that 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 was definitely yeah. I, I agree because there was there was a there was definitely a reason why me and my friends could have uh, written a stupid rap song about uh, whoever and uh, posted on MySpace <laughs> and it was the funniest thing ever. Yeah, but then that, that switch over to Facebook was like and there was nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Um, so 21 and over shows. What was that like for you as someone in a band going from playing these all ages shows and now? You're in a place where everyone's legally drinking. Yeah, right, just right. RC bottles with Captain and Coke. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, the fireside had to close about that same time. So then when the fireside closed, MP Shows that was doing the fireside mm. kind of took over the Beat Kitchen, the Note. Um, oh, the Note was awesome. Yeah. I, I missed that place, actually. Sub T. I don't think they did Big Horse. Big Horse, did you ever play there? I never played Big Horse. You mentioned that earlier. I, you know, I never did play that place. It but was a taco stand up front, and then okay. you went in the back, and there was a stage. And it was also independent like the cool. Mutiny, so you could always just kind of book it yourself. Yeah. And they would have yeah. shows seven nights a week, so it was a place that if you needed a stage, if there was someone passing through town. Yeah, sure, sure. That that That's that's key. I think that's very integral in like in, in, in booking bands. Like. So what were some of your favorite 21 and over venues to do? Oh, man. So it, it seemed almost – fairly kind of a seamless transition because I didn't I didn't really drink until I turned about 27 so it was all kind of the same to me right um (laughs) I've certainly made up for lost time (laughs) but 21 I mean all the all the places you mentioned uh save the uh the big horse um bee kitchen absolutely sub t amazing um wicker park double door I mean come on you know uh the original bottom lounge um being able to uh, to invite people without having to ask is this all ages? Just just knowing inherently that this was a twenty one and up venue, you just felt more adult. You felt more pro, right? And you know all those. I mean, just going to like the Vic Theater and being able to belly up at the bar without feeling like, hey, can I can I have a diet coke with the you know? It, it just it was just it was just cool, you know. Yeah. But I would say Double Door. Which I miss absolutely, you know, dearly, and you know these things are dropping like flies. That prob- that's probably the one I felt the most like, oh man, I, I've kind of made it, you know, the double door, sweet. Well, that, yeah, that's I mean, that's a, a big thing that I want to talk about is that like, you know, as I said in the intro, like now that I'm actually able to go back out again, I'm like, well, where the hell does everyone go? Because it seems yeah. like all the good places are closed. We have Riot Fest, which is so crazy that like mm-hmm, Chicago mm-hmm. hosts Riot Fest every year. Yeah. It's like this the hugest 
fucking gathering of punk bands. Yeah. And yet, okay, but when Ryan Fest is over, where where are all the Chicago punk bands? Where do they play? What's the scene like? What's going on? You know. I, I feel like Liars Club is like right. the epicenter of my universe. I right. love Liars Club so much. Yeah. They they take a chance on bands from out of town. They're always willing to accommodate right. bands from out of town. They're willing to have my band bands uh, play any night. I request, we request. They, I feel like there's still a sense of um, there's an amazing sense of community. Right. There's still an amazing sense of youth when you walk into that place. Yeah. Um, I feel like the the empty bottle still embraces that as well. Liars Club, I used to DJ at. It's uh, great. I started upstairs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking like haunted. <laughs> it's like, it's red weird. Leather, weird, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, eventually moved down down the downstairs. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I mean, they now the, once again, this is going back ten years. But I don't know. If, having bands play there was very rare. Uh, they had DJs a lot, and it would be like Herb, and it would be <laughs> yeah, Scott yeah. Lucas, and oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I was DJing one night, and uh, this Porsche pulls up out front. We're like, who the fuck is that? And it was what's his name? That Tony dude from Victory Records. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, uh Tony Brummel. Bro- yeah. Tony Brummel got out. You he's know I mean? yeah, he's been at was it, wow, okay, yeah, he's been at a couple. The last time I saw him was actually at one of my uh, my band Major Threat, my uh, Minor Threat cover band. That's no longer well, I'm no longer in it, but. He was at that show, and that might have been post Riot Fest, ironically enough. Okay. Um, yeah, I currently um, Liars Club. They've they've put a, a relatively new stage up. It's amazing, um, incredible uh, sound engineer, um, really good sound system. Cool. Um, I mean. You still have to be very careful when going to the bathroom. You might fall through the floor. <laughs> but, you know, I've never seen what's what's under that plywood. There might be a ball pit. There might be a nice water bed with uh, three men or women of your, you know, who are your, sure. whatever you uh, choose waiting for you. Um, <laughs> but I digress. Uh, it's That place is so good to bands. And right. I think a lot of venues could really, really learn a thing or two from Liars Club. Yeah. Cool. That's my favorite place. All right, uh, we're going to take a break and listen to some music and then get right back. Here's Bloodbath by Supersonic Space Rebel. Check your toes and two lots too. Let me sing crimson wood. She's a bad girl that looks right. Here's a bond that lays in dry. So good on that chocolate glowing. Fill your cup, drink with glowing. Shine it up. Your I can't promise you your life. Whatever 
right, we are back one final time with Joe Sawinski. Um, what up? So, uh, not to promote individual shows because I don't know when this is going to air or anything. But uh, what do you have going on now? Like with the different, you play in like a half dozen different bands, don't you? I do. I I don't like to sleep. Well, I love to sleep, but my body won't allow me to. So I have no choice but to occupy my time with lots of beats per minute. It's a lot of drumming. Anyone who wants a drummer, um, I'm typically down to clown as long as you show up. The key, the key is the key is showing up. Oh, I've I've learned that in life. That's ninety percent right there. Is just yeah, show and up. thankfully I, I've found an amazing group of not only friends but bandmates who are super talented who like to show up and do things. So tell us about uh, your favorite band that you're in right now. Oh boy! And then we'll go to your least favorite band that you're in right now. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna say my favorite or least favorite, but the one I'm in no particular order. Okay. The one I the one I seem to be playing with most frequently is a band I joined about a year ago. We're called the Evictions, and uh, we're going to be playing with a band called Judah from Italy. We're going to be playing uh, at the Empty Bottle, um, September tenth, I believe. Okay. And, and then we'll be at Reggie's with a band called the Electric Six, who had a couple of uh, hits uh, some time ago. At the, yeah, so the room on the left or the room on the right? It'll be the big, the big boomy room. Oh wow! Okay, cool. Yeah. Which is you know, I'm not, holy shit! Look who we got. Yeah, this not guy. yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, the only time <laughs> we're playing in the big room, I like to drink on the bar side. I like right. to play on the in the rock room. Nice. For those of you listening at home, devil horns up the rock room. Yeah. So the evictions, um, the evictions dot bandcamp dot com. Um, I play in a band called Young Distractions. We're like a power pop kind of garage band. We'll play wherever the hell you want us to play. Don't matter. Um, a band called The Static Age. We, we've toured all over the world. And uh, again, book us. We'll play. We're not picky. So Major Threat is a minor threat cover band. <laughs> yes, and yes. And Static Age is not a Misfits cover that, band. That is correct. I'm so just straight for the kids at it's home. An, oh, yeah, it's so unfortunate. People think I, I think some people think I'm just like this like ringer that plays in these cover bands. <laughs> me, and my, me, me, me and my friends, we started a minor threat cover band as a joke uh, around a table at a wedding. And then before you knew it, we were playing uh, Riot Fest in Denver. I've and, seen, yeah, I've seen your, I've seen that name so many different places, mm -hmm. and I kept thinking it was just a different Minor Threat cover band. But I no, mean, it, you it's guys, a terrible, it's a terrible. I, I, someone, uh, Dan Precision, ADA Fingers, Lee Rising, he insisted on um, on Major Threat. I was like, come on, man, we can do, we can do better, but I was vetoed because I just I'm just the drummer, you know. But um, yeah, we've played with anyone from DOA uh, in in beautiful Lombard, Illinois. Mm -hmm. But we've opened for Me First in the Gimme Gimmies in Denver, Colorado. We've what? toured. We did a week long tour in California. Um, all you know, and we had people like Toby from H Two O came out, and you know, in fact, H Two O and Major Threat were supposed to tour, but uh, Toby got sick. But we had a, a week long tour book with them too. People responded to this weird thing that we we conjured up at, at the, again at, a, at at it was a wedding. Uh, my my singer, or our singer Bobby, um, who also sings in a band called The Hollow, 
He. Oh my god. Yo, they've been around forever in a I day. I know. We used. I fucking hated those. Were, all right. So they. <laughs> we had. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not. This is petty. This is extremely. Bobby, petty. congratulations on the birth of your child, by the way. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, go on, go on, Patrick. No. Uh, so we <laughs> we had, and I. So I, I played bass in a band, and I, I always did backup vocals, but there was one song that I always sang lead on. Mm-hmm. And that was anything, anything by Drama Rama. Oh yeah, yeah. That so was... you can imagine the conflict that we had whenever we found out we were playing a fucking show with the Hollow. Because yeah. what song did they cover without fail, and then played it in the right key? So it was like allegedly. It was like fuck. We're playing with the fucking Hollow again. Well, I'm singing the song. I don't give a shit. You know, <laughs> go on first. You know, make sure we go on first. It's like, funny that that's the song that turned me on to the Hollow. And it's, <laughs> it's 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 the one it's the one song. I'm like Bobby, are you are you doing anything anything tonight? He's like. Of course, they do it every night. It's like cheap trick playing fucking Dream Police, except it's not their song. <laughs> not getting bitter, I swear to God. It's okay. If, if, if you're, you're they were good dudes. Though, no, they were no, you're, no, bitter, you're in good company, too. They're, they're, they're from the South Side. They were like, we played with them all. Segwish or Hegwish? Hegwish. Okay, East Side, but yeah. South Side, Hegwish. Segwish. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yes, correct. Um, and, and maybe, they, they, I feel like they have at least one guy from Indiana. There's always one guy from Indiana. Oh, sure. It's usually the bass player. The five-string bass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's awful. Five and a half. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> major threat was uh, was something that was not supposed to be anything more than one or two shows. In fact, we were, I think we our first show was um, New Year's Eve. At Liars Club or something, and then before he knew it, it, it became like a, a weekly obligation for like three years. Cool. Yeah, so it's ev- cool. The evictions, uh, Static Age, Young Distractions, Young Distractions, and then uh, rest in peace, the old Comiskeys, my uh, my right. lifelong buddies. I have so. that seven inch. You do. Yeah. I. Uh, and I oh, and the uh, the stickers that you guys had were uh, haunted trails. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Uh, yes. So every every time someone po so. The old Comiskeys were uh, another obligatory kind of Southside reference. Um, we had a, a a logo that was a spoof on the haunt the uh, haunted trails. What would you call it? Amusement park, for lack of a better term. Yeah, mini golf. Yeah, arcade. yeah, yeah. The kind of amusement Place. park you find on the south side of Chicago. It's in Burbank, so it was uh, Burbank and uh, jo- and 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 Joliet. So it was rife with Burbillies. Yeah. Oh, there was one in. Jo- there, I didn't know. That <laughs> There's that two. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know they oddly enough, that motherfucker. Yeah. Like, this, oddly this enough, so good. We gotta do it twice. <laughs> yeah. We need to really haunt these mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's spooky miniature. Gold. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, yeah, the old Comiskeys. We took the haunted trails logo and plopped our name on it, and uh, hopefully we don't never get got sued. sued. Not yet. If I mean, they did. You got a lawyer sitting next to you. Oddly enough, major <laughs> ma- major threat. Ma- oh, hey, <laughs> major threat just got a um um one of those YouTube, and one of those YouTube strikes um uh for one of our we uh, we did a cover of It Follows by Minor Threat and we filmed it in uh, Dan Precision uh, his basement. And uh, that was like four, three or four, no, four years ago, and we just got a, a copyright strike. Ian so McKay's coming for his fucking check, dude. You that's fine that because time. I quit about a year ago. So that's right. that sounds like a them problem. We used to get but. cease and desist all the time from Prince's lawyers. <laughs> well, for, I mean, that's I mean, that's that's. <laughs> I was like, fuck it. I'm like, when Prince brings his purple ass into court, I will stop playing Purple Rain and then posted pictures, posted <laughs> videos of it on YouTube. And someone was like, dude, if they take you to court, Prince doesn't have to show up. He's not going to be there. I feel like the moment you type the word purple into YouTube, you run the risk of, of having Prince show up. But. Yeah. 
But he's dead now, <laughs> so fuck him. Right? No, no, no. I, I'm still very paranoid. I'm a paranoid guy. He might show up. Okay. All right. Uh, so that's it for this week, Joe. Thanks for. Yeah, Pat. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's good meeting you. Yeah, it's good time. Thanks for checking out Radio One Chicago presents Live from the Lair. This show was hosted by Patrick and me, Janine, and produced by Hex for Radio One Chicago. You can find this podcast at RadioOneChicago.com, along with interviews, new music, and information about different artists from around Chicagoland.